let's kick it off with the the sort of the backgroundy stuff first. I mean, you know, this is you're an old hand at this now uh, in terms of in terms of the octagon announcing. Obviously, announcing is something you've been doing for a long time, but in terms of the the UFC gig, it's been a few years now. How many event? How, how many events is this one going to be? Is this sort of six or seven now? I think this is. Could be eight, actually. Eight. This is the eighth one. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm by no means, I'm, I'm comfortable in there, but there's if only you had sort of three or four shows back to back in the space of a couple of months, you, it gives you a chance to really sort of pick up a rhythm, and it's almost like you're starting from scratch each time you go back into an event. Um, yeah, kind of. But then I think there's an essence of truth in that that you do get into a rhythm, and I think a lot of the time the perception is, you know, whether it's me or Bruce, but the perception is that you are just reading things out, which is true to an extent. But given the volume and depth of production and, you know, you've got Dan and John doing their thing and producers in your ear and fighters and Mark Ratner and decisions to make and timing to relay to the TV graphics guys. And obviously you want to make sure every detail is absolutely accurate, scores to read. You know, there is, there's a lot going on. Um, but at the same token, you know, I'm not getting punched in the face. No one's trying to take me down, um, choke me out, guillotine me. Um, so at some level, you're right, it is nice to do more, and I'd obviously happily travel the world anywhere at the drop of a hat to do more. But I think I've got fortunately enough experience that as long as I'm prepared, hence, you know, making sure I know all the details of everyone I'm working with, um, it should go smoothly. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's it's a very rare position. I mean, I think you're one of only about maybe four guys in in, in total have actually done this job. Um, it's a freak position, Simon. That's what you're saying. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's you know, when, when when did you decide that you wanted in on this? And uh, how did it all come about? So, um, and I've spoken, you know, I've spoken to uh, other folk before about this. I'm um, a former boxing fan turned mixed martial arts fan who I guess probably around about the the Chuck Tito Randy Forrest Rampage era um, got more and more involved in, in the UFC and was watching DVDs and um, that kind of thing um, so having an awareness about the sport and being involved in the sport as a fan was something I did alongside actually working at major rugby events, football events um, and, you know, you get to do Q&As and interviews and, you know, I'm used to being around sports people. Um, and I'd always done boxing and seeing at a relatively low level. And I love combat sports, but I don't know. I think um, it was a kind of sequence of coincidences that got me in front of a couple of the guys, uh, Gary Cook particularly, and I sort of pitched myself like crazy and said, well, once I was down on my knees begging and saying, please, 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 then I stood up, returned to my dignity, had a cup of tea, and, and then uh, put forward a decent case. But it's, um, it is a weird and rare position and a, 
an honour, really, because you are in there with these guys. And, yeah, what what a crazy way to spend your professional time. It's brilliant. How did you... I mean, did you have to actually audition at any point? Um, there's a whole other story about if you want to work... Um, at boxing events, you need authority from the British Boxing Board of Control, and they made me audition in a pub in Southwark holding a glass, pretending it was a microphone. Brilliant. Fortunately, um, fortunately, the uh, the USC are a little more professional than that. They do their due diligence. They know, obviously, what you look like, what you're capable of, what you bring. Um, you know, and I think they also take a slightly wider view about um, the value of their brand and whether or not I fit in, and clearly there was some synergy there. So that's that's all awesome. It was more a case of and it is a tricky position because Bruce is so established. He's so part of the um, the furniture, the tone, the look and the feel of the event that replicating what Bruce did was never going to be what I wanted to do, nor is it what I was requested to do. But at the same token, um, it's also not a role that you can pre-cast or determine based upon, you know, Right, we're looking for someone who's this tall, that wide, they say this, they look like that, they carry themselves in this way. So I think it was always an experiment at the beginning. Um, even looking back to the London show of, uh, what was it, February 14? No, February 13. Yeah. Um, I'm losing my years. Was it 2013? <laughs> You're not the only one. I think it was 2013. That's the great hair for you. Um, yeah. If I look back to the first one, I was kind of, this is how I'm going to do it. And after the first one, I got a call from Vegas going, Andy, do you know what? You're going to do it our way. And to be completely truthful, they were absolutely right, as expected. Um, and from there on in, I got better and better. So, um, so what, did, what was it specifically they asked you to change then? I, I slightly obsess about waistcoats when I'm working. And uh, if you look back on the London show, I've got sleeves rolled up and yeah. a waistcoat on. Um, and I think they, there were so many things going on at the time in terms of the new talent team, production, um, the fact it was at the O2. It was a fairly big card. It was Gustafsson Manawa, which in Europe, obviously, is a big card. Um, so I almost think it was, let's leave Andy to get on with it. Um, and maybe I was being a bit insistent at the time. Um, so, yeah, if you look back, I'm probably the only person who's, Boxing announced with my sleeves rolled up, and it looks bad now. If I look back, I think, God, why did I, why did I even try and do that? I, it, a suit is what what is required. A tie, a bow tie. You know, we all we're in a role, and we need to dress appropriately. And one of the one of the big things that I guess people latch onto with, especially with people like ring announcers, and even even in some degree with commentators, is. Oh, oh, Announcer, Simon, Octagon Announcer. Sorry, sorry, Octagon Announcer, yes. Thank, <laughs> thank, thank you for correcting me, that is very important. Um, is uh, catchphrases. And, and obviously, you know, Bruce's It's Time has become an iconic thing with him. And I know, I, I seem to remember when you, when you first got the gig, one of the things I think you did on social media, you put it out there uh, for, for suggestions of what people... Uh, might might want you to say for your catchphrase. How did you come round to the? Uh, this is the UFC, and we have the world watching. How did you get to that? Well, I got, I'm, I'm flattered that you you believe it's already established itself as a catchphrase. I mean, just well, you've uh, done it every uh, show, so I think it's established now. Yeah, as you say, this is this is show number eight. So I, I, I do need to put it out there though. If if I should die before my time, please do not put anything like that on my uh, 
on my gravestone. This was Andy Friedlander um, and the world was watching. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so, so let's tackle that question. Let's um, transition into a different part of that question first. Um, so if Bruce Buffer, the very first time he said it's time, believed it was going to be as powerful and as um, popular as it is, um, he, he, you know, I don't believe he sat down there and wrote here's 10 different options and I'm going to try this one today, this one tomorrow. It evolves over time. And, you know, he's been doing it forever and it's now become a catchphrase. And I guess if you look across anybody involved in anything media related, it takes a while for those to bed in. So the challenge at the beginning was to find something to even get me started. Um, you know, um, so I don't know. Is We have the world watching seems to be an amalgamation of everything that everyone else says, which is effectively referring to the audience. If I may paraphrase Michael Buffer, you know, to the people in Tenzin, to the millions watching around the world, yeah. um, there's a little bit of reference to that. I don't know. Is it, is it going to stick forever? Can we do something different? Is there a better one out there? Possibly, probably. But um, eight shows in. Eight shows in, it seems to work. Um, when I get to 800 shows or however many uh, Bruce has done, maybe something else would have evolved. I'm always open to suggestions, Simon, always. Well, I mean, I think I think it's it's. I, I wasn't sort of. I, I was kind of envious of the fact that you had the gig because it's 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 a great gig to have. I'm not suggesting for a minute that I'd be able to get in there and do that because I couldn't. But I'll tell you what, I fight you for it. <laughs> you'd have to, you'd have to you'd have to bulk up a little bit to make my weight class. I think that'd be the only problem. I'm ready. <laughs> I've got I've got a great little. It's not quite a bet. It's a near bet with Carl Pendry. Okay. But, um, oh yes, I've seen this on social media. So. I, I kind of walk. I'm gonna so I'm gonna so make myself sound like an ass. My reg, I nearly said I walk around that, which <laughs> implies that somewhere somewhere deep in my fantasy, I'm ever ever gonna compete for anything um, in in in, uh, in combat sport. Um, though I have got, by the way, just just as a little aside, I have got a one and zero record in terms of white collar boxing, and I retired undefeated. I just need you to know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> one and oh, mate, one and oh. Um, no, so my, I, I was around about 202 pounds, um, and I've, for a long time, threatened to get to 185, and I joked with Carl that I was the only MC that made weight for fight night. Um, and the moment he said it's a deal, that we, obviously, he has to make weight, and I don't, but um, it's given me an incentive to get to 185, so... Um, why did we get onto that? I've I, lost my I marbles. I, I, I don't know, but I mean, the, as you know, as a as a sort of a side note to that, if you're going to make any kind of verbal bet with anybody, especially if it's one that you might want to sort of get out of at a later date, getting into a verbal agreement with a with a mixed martial artist is probably not the best the best choice of but, target, is it really? But no, I look at the logic in an entirely different way. He has to make weight. He's a professional. He does make weight. He's going to hit one seventy by the twenty third of weight. Not a problem. Whereas I look at it as a massive incentive. So when I go to grab a bag of crisps or decide to have a casual beer on a weeknight, I kind of think to myself, if I don't make 185, I'm going to get the wrath of, you know, an Irish warrior in his hometown. So it's an incentive for me. So are you going to are you going to be testing the scales before the weigh-ins? Then you know, oh god, um, no. Ricky Minetta and that they set the scale up on the stage. No, 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 no. You out and have a There's no one wants to see me with my shirt off. No, 
No one wants to see me with my shirt off. But <laughs> posing. In I'm fact, my seven-year-old daughter, my seven-year-old daughter tells me to put it away. Quick, push it back in the water. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to. Sorry, think you I... were talking about you were to, you actually started uh, at their time and by saying. It's a great role to have, and oh. we're going to fight for it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I was going to say, you, I, it's kind of an enviable position, but also I didn't envy the the position you were in. If this if this is, makes any kind of sense, coming in, you've talked about Bruce, and it's it's in some you know from someone on the outside looking in. As you, as you say, Bruce is someone who's fully entrenched in the sport, and it's it's a bit like when um, when when Des Lynham, uh came off the TV screens over here on Match of the Day, and I think Gary Lineker came in and replaced him. And it's it's someone different. This is not what we're used to. Um, you know, he looks different. He sounds different. How how much pushback did you get, and how 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 wary were you of 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 that? Possibility going into it. I mean, because as you say, you can't you can't just go in there and be a clone of the of of, of, of someone else. You've got to be your own man. Yeah, I think the first thing, which is fairly obvious by the fact that I walk out in front of however many thousand people and inverted commas perform, is I clearly have fairly thick skin and self confidence. So there was never a major issue about me curling up in the corner and going, oh, they hate me, I'm not Bruce Buffer. But the other part is I do deeply respect the fact that if you are going to do something different, it needs to it needs to honour the sport. It also needs to be... Um, and by the way, let's boil this down to its constituents. It's not about me. It's not about uh, Mark Goddard or Leon Roberts, or it's not about the guy locking the gate of the octagon or, you know, at the checkpoint making sure someone's got their gum shield in or the commissioners. It's about two guys having a, or two women having um, a mixed martial arts contest in the octagon. So, you know, let's not over embellish the role. But at the same token, you, you bang on, which is. I wanted to be my own man about it. I think trying to copy Bruce would have made me look stupid. And I also took the view, if I may, and I was very much supported by um, by the UFC team on this, that the first one and the second one are going to build on each other. And I took constructive feedback from um, the production team in London and Vegas. And hopefully you gradually find a rhythm and a style that works for the production. And within that, there's going to be an expression of, of me. I, I can't have a laugh in there. I like having a laugh. I love doing the Q&As with fighters because you can have a chat about what's going on. That's an opportunity for me to take the piss a bit. That's an opportunity for me to be a bit more expression, expressive of my personality. In the Octagon, it's a you know professional job. So you stick to the plan, be yourself, but tick all the boxes. Yeah, I am never going to be Bruce Buffer. In fact... I don't even know if Bruce Buffer was ever planning to be Bruce Buffer. I just think he evolved. Hmm. No, that's, that's, that's a good point. You took Get him on the phone. <laughs> Marge, Marge, fetch me Bruce. <laughs> but, um, in terms of, I mean, you know, you talk about, you know, you're able to have a bit of fun with the Q&As, but it's, it's sort of the serious business is when you're in the Octagon. And in, a, in, a, in another interview, I know you, you said that... Um, you, you know, you made a, a very, very interesting observation. You, you basically said that you, you were effectively the last guy to leave the octagon after a, after a stare down. How exciting is that for a main event? That must be. I mean, in, in, short of actually being in there as the referee while the fight is actually taking place, that is got. That's got to be the most intense uh, place anybody who isn't actually competing can stand in the sport. 
it is, but here's the thing, right? Can you imagine at any other any other time in anybody else's life when you walk up behind and let, let's take Leon Roberts because he's he's a sweetheart, he's a big cuddly bear, six foot five, um, <laughs> bit of timber on him. When else in the world do you walk up behind a man like that and put your arm underneath his armpit? So, so you have to, you know, look at the practicality. That's a weird thing to do. Next, you're going to do that in front of two highly trained athletes who have been trimmed and trained and schooled and skilled in combat to the point that they're both absolutely revving to go. So it's massively exciting, but it's also slightly surreal that I'm in there. So what a privilege. But from my eyes out, you've also got the other part, which is what, what do I look at? Do, do I look at the back of Leon's head? Do I look into Connor's eyes? Do I, do I look across the ring and, and see if, uh, you know, Bisping and Kung Lee are ready to go? It's a really exciting, weird, strange... I, I can't look at the camera because then your eyes catch the camera and that's taking the focus off the fighters. So it's, it's just it's the most random, exciting, strange, thrilling uh, place to be. And... I have once, I can't remember the show, but um, <laughs> you only do the stare down at the main event. Yeah. And I was so pleased with the fact I'd made it through the card, no slip-ups, tight scoring, every result perfect. You know, everyone, everything was nailed. I got to the main event and said, you know, whoever the um, the, the main fighter was, and the uh, man in charge of the Oscar is, you know, Grant Waterman. So excited, I kind of went skipping out to the gate, at which point the producer in my ears came, so, <laughs> sprint, sprint back, grab a giant referee, stick my arm under his armpit, um, smile and hope for the best. So, yeah, it's a, a magical moment. Is there, is there a p- one particular stare down that sort of stands out to you as, as like the most in? What's the most intense situation you found yourself in as part of all this? <sighs> okay, so I don't know if you remember in Berlin, Joanna Yim Jaytrek was defending against. Uh, Jessica Penne. Yes, I remember that very well. And, and they had a stare down after the weigh-in when I'm supposed to go to the main card, uh, the main event competitors, and ask them one quick question each. Yeah. So I've stood there, uh, poised to ask a question, and one of, uh, I think, Joanna handed some a necklace made out of penne pasta to Jessica. Jessica then handed a dream catcher, but, and they were having this kind of craft fair exchange of goods and gifts and I'm stood in the middle just wanting to ask you a question. So that was kind of weird. Um, the other one, which was hugely intense, was Dublin. Um, and, you know, we've got Dublin coming up. And, and looking back uh, to last year's summer in Dublin, Connor at home, just inches away from Diego Brandao. Wow. That was pretty, pretty intense as well. And you've sort of you, you, you've teed up my next question quite quite perfectly there. Um, Diego Brandao. No, yeah, 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 on the yeah, way yeah. Talk to me about Brandao. Um, yeah, we've got we've obviously got Dublin. Uh, we're recording this just over a week away from uh, from the event. And again, you know, your perspective as, as as the octagon announcer, no one else had that perspective that you had because obviously even the fighters they're standing either either end of the cage, and the way this. 
the uh, the arena set up over there. It's almost like a theatre style arrangement. So you've got the best part of nine and a half thousand. I mean, you've got a few to the side and a few to the back, but basically the crowd yeah, is all in them. front of you. You know, <laughs> ignore them. <laughs> you've got you've got all you've got basically nine thousand people in front of you, um, and uh, all the noise is sort of raining down on the octagon. Just just tell us from from your perspective as as you know everyone was sort of focused on on you when you're announcing the fighters and you've got that unusual situation rather than being surrounded which i guess is pretty intimidating itself but to have all those eyes just staring at you in front of you while you're announcing these fights in what can only be described as an absolutely crazy bonkers atmosphere over there um yes so go on son what's your question how 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 did that i got i got lost so I'm not being rude. I got lost in the description. I was putting myself in a in a theatre style Irish craziness. Um, yeah. So what what's the? How did that compare? I mean, you know, you've 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 announced in in big arenas and stuff, but it's 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 a it's a completely different setup. So the oh, fact gotcha. that everyone's in, all the noise is sort of coming at you from in front of you. All the eyes are looking at you, and also it was Dublin, and you know the atmosphere was sort of memorable just just for the fact it was Dublin and it was Connor. So how how special was that atmosphere and being in that unique position that you were in? Uh, I mean, I, I think first it's really it, it's a. So everything I've ever done previously in terms of sports, however big the venue, 90,000, Champions League finals, whatever it is, I'm what they call the voice of God. So I'm either invisible or when you come to do something, you are at the edge of the, the pitch, the swimming pool, the field, the ring, the, you know. When it comes to the UFC, that particular role, you are front and centre. So I think the, the difference with every other sport is that the, the ringmaster, for want of a better phrase, the guy, the hype man, is very much up front presenting the show. So the UFC differs from, you know, boxing does it, but the UFC differs from many other sports I've worked on, which is hugely exciting. Um, in terms of doing it there, it's... It's so hard to describe. Um, If you imagine a fearsome football match where you have two arch rivals singing at each other across a stadium and then you slice the stadium in half and you just have everyone singing at one particular guy, you know, they owned the place. Neil Seary, Norman Park, Carl, Paddy Hoolan, Connor, every one of them was just getting carried on a wave of noise. Also, I don't know if you have ever looked back at the tape, Connor's wiping his feet when he gets in the octagon because he's been walking through beer. Yeah. He's a trained athlete walking through beer. So it, they were, well, they were, they are, um, they're wild. And outside of uh, the octagon, you know, all, all in fight week at the hotel, in the street between um, the hotel and the arena, just knowledgeable, fun, awesome guys. But my God, when they get inside there, it, it was just a just a kind of collective let loose. It was, you know, everyone's expecting it again. Everyone's excited again. Um, I think, you know, the the UFC brass are flying in. So it, it's um, yeah, it's it's kind of. It's hard to encapsulate on the grounds that, again, I'm there to serve the fighters and make sure the event runs, but, God, it is exciting. I suppose Damn noisy. 
Yeah, I spoke to I spoke to James Elliott the other day, and obviously he's running the show now over over on this side of the pond. But he he, he was part of the UFC. Um, I think he was uh, senior director of content back then, so he was still part of the Emaya uh, team. And he, he said to me, uh, he said after after the event, he said, you know, the uh, the UFC team was sitting in the bar afterwards, and everyone was sort of borderline shell shocked by what they'd just experienced because I think they knew that it was going to be lively, but I don't think they experienced it to be quite quite that quite that mad. Yeah, I think you know without. Um too much of a peek behind the curtains. We've delivered at that point. I think it was our fifth, or it was my fifth event. Um, it was John and Dan's fifth event. There was, excuse me, a different um, uh, London-based production crew who were doing the um, delivery of the broadcast. You know, so a lot of things were um, building up to Dublin in terms of what we were capable of. You know, even Connor then was he. He wasn't quite the megastar he is now, but he was still known to be an absolute diamond in terms of the organisation. So it was all brewing that it was going to be a big event. And I think the other massive plus for everyone involved is because it was delivered as a slick, um, the audience were cracking, the production was tight, The obviously the performances in the Octagon went very much our way in terms of home victories. Um, because there was that just growth of Irish support across across all sports, really, um, across the whole country in terms of they now had someone to cheer about. He'd just come back from injury. So everything conspired to create this event that I think was globally recognised, particularly, you know, by the team in Vegas, by Ariel Helwani, by um, yourselves and other journalists. As, My God, this is... This is up there as one of the best events of all time. Now, no individual can take credit for that, but collectively we did all sit there afterwards and think, wow, if we can deliver this, you know, think what else we can deliver. Can we do a title fight? Well, yeah, we can. And we went on to, you know, do Joanna and can we do a, one of these? And so everyone's filled with optimism and everyone's filled with confidence and swagger and enthusiasm. And that's why we will work in live events and, TV, it's that's the buzz. Oh my god, I'm gonna, I'm gonna well up. <laughs> Stop it, Simon. Stop it. You're getting all emotion. Getting all emotion. Yeah, man. It's it's a it's a privilege. It's I know a lot of people in the organisation say that. It, it it's true. It's it's this beast that's just growing, and um, it's just fun to be saddled up and going for the ride and the sport on this side of the pond just seems to be I don't know I, I, I don't know what it is it just there seems to be a, a, a real momentum behind the sport on this side of the pond at the moment especially in terms of the talent coming through and you know we're going we're to see plenty of that on on, uh, on fight night in Dublin I mean how, how do you see where the UFC sits on this side of the pond today as opposed to when you started which was just a couple of years ago no bullshit sport. Um, the amount of conversations I've had with people who compare it to, you know, wrestling, and you're kind of no, 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 no. Just, just come on a fight pass with me. Let me take you through this. This is this is the real shizzle. And I think, given you know, be it scandal in football organisations or match fixing in cricket or boxing, which is you know a little bit short on anything exciting or. Um, compelling and personalities at this point to actually get involved in this sport you can see without question why it's growing quickly and also why it's 
such a good watch because you know, it could be over in six seconds. It could be a DC dust 25-minute war. So I think the growth is a natural thing because people are tired of watching crappy sports with shitty outcomes and nil or draws. Um, in terms of how it's evolved, I mean, I'm not qualified to talk about, you know, the, the evolution. As I've got more involved in the last two years and I've seen, I guess, got to grips with some of the local promotions and now how those guys are growing into UFC stars. Um, I mean, Duffy's ex Cage Warriors. Um, I know that, you know, he disappeared for a bit and went into boxing and came back again, but I, I, I don't know the guy. I don't know his motives, but there's a reason he's back in the UFC from being a pro boxer, and I think you've nailed it, which is the growth of the sport, the interest in this country, um, the excitement in this country. Um, I also don't think if you take many other sports um, as such a young and complete sport, I think this is the start of the evolution. So the revolution happened and everyone's involved, but you're looking at, and I'll call them out because we're going to Dublin, the uh, the ever-present in Dublin, Nathan Great Kelly, who's, I think he's about 12, is he now? 11? I think he's 11 or 12, yeah. Yeah, so here's a guy aged 11 who's already setting out his stall saying, this is what I want to do and this is how I want to be. And he's got a logo and a, <laughs> he's, he's all over it. Um, and then Sage Northcutt, 19 years old, you know, no one quite knows how he'll evolve at this point, but, you know, he's a young, talented 19-year-old who's probably got 11 years in the sport at the top of the game if he focuses. So it's growing and there's no reason that the more events we do here, the more it's not being grown here. Plus, if I may, um, people like Brad Pickett, who were, you know, and Dan, to be massively credit Dan, who was doing this before most people really knew what the UFC or mixed martial arts was about. Yeah. These are the guys who are going back into, you know, ambassadorial roles, running their own events, doing seminars that are inspiring a, a new generation. So I think it's a, it's an incredibly exciting time to be involved, but there are, and I've just pulled out the, um, the Dublin card, you know, Darren Till, a scouser via Brazil. Uh, Duffy is Irish. Um, who else is there? Uh, Paddy, Stevie Ray and Robert Whiteford representing Scotland. Obviously the Glasgow show and now they're, they're coming back. Whiteford's not on this card. It's, it's a kind of hot time. Tom Breeze, who I don't know much about, but, you know, is, is a polified UFC fighter who's English. Ask him. In fact, yeah, there we go. So Askham's um, Askham's the man at the moment at 185 in this country. So yeah. Yeah, it's a cool time. It's a it's a good time. Now you've worked in in and around sort of the TV side of things as well. I've, I've over your career, and we sort we sort of talk about the growth of the sport. How important is it that that we can get this sport to more eyeballs on TV over here? Um, it, it's important, but I think it goes hand in hand with educating people. So. Um, People understand boxing because it's fairly, you know, you punch people in the face and the body with your hands. I think the moment um, the exposure comes, it needs to be hand in hand with some education. And there's some great uh, UFC shows. I think John is doing a couple. Um, certainly when Dan, I do forget the names because there are 
increasing amounts of great content. There's um, a show where they break down, the breakdown, the USC breakdown, yeah. so they're actually looking at the different styles um, and the different clashes. I know that there's a the Unibet show that John and Dan do, which is a great opportunity to to kind of spend a bit of time understanding the movement of the athletes when they do and don't go for takedowns, transitions, passing guard, pulling guard. And all of those elements have to, in my opinion, be available at the same time as it's broadcast. Because otherwise, people quite simply look at it and go, oh, didn't understand what was happening for an hour and a half there. Um, There was about in, uh, you might remember this, in Berlin, there were two guys, uh, maybe, what were they, 145ers? I might need to look it up, but they spent most of the 15 minutes tied up on the floor. Yeah. Uh, and for a beginner in jiu-jitsu like me, it was fascinating to watch with interest because I knew enough, but I was learning more as I watched them. Um, and, and so, in essence, yeah, it's great. And the more people that watch the sport, the more people get into it. The characters are built. The, the word is spread. But trying to bring people on the the journey of helping them understand the nuances and the skills involved, I think, gives them even more respect and a deeper appreciation of, of everything involved. Them. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what fight it was you were talking about. It might have been Amir Khani's win over Fulham. He basically took him down and worked worked a position. He beat him in about 90 seconds, but that fight was exclusively no, was, on the um, floor. Um, am, I, am I allowed during your podcast to go online? I'm that, um... on, I've got the fight card in front of me now. So uh, we've got Arnold Allen versus Alan Omer. A lot of that fight was on the no, floor. That was a, no, that no, that was a... No, that was a... It was Lahat versus it was Lahat. Backstrom. That's it. So Lahat had come in. Yeah. Um, Lahat had come in as this, uh, you know, JIT specialist who was going to work the floor. Um, sorry, who was he fighting? Nicholas Backstrom, who spent most of the... F- it, 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 was, it was a real sort of back-and-forth back and forth fight, and uh, Lahat won it by majority decision. Uh, I think one, was, one of the judges gave it a draw, but it was, it was a close fight. Think, yeah, and I would say probably 12 of that 15 minutes it was on the mat. So, yeah. Um, and also the two sizes and shapes of body. So, and um, Joe Rogan, who clearly is, you know, one of the superstars of the game and, and the broadcast, but his analysis and listening to him and then listening to Dan, when the two of them, I'm talking as a fan now, but when the two of them start describing the action in terms of, you will see he is moving his hips now in order to try and do something. That kind of quality of uh, analysis on the broadcast also is that education of bringing people in to the sport. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of repeating myself, but the more education along with the broadcast, the better, and those are the guys who are the best in the game at it. How far away do you think we are over here from being able to elevate the sport and see see the sport? Maybe not on, 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 on a level with the likes of football, but maybe on a similar level to boxing in terms of, in terms of general media coverage. I think that's a that's a challenging question. There will be people who simply um, are never going to convert. I think you've got the, the the let's call them the hardcore fans, people who understand and, and love and respect and watch MMA. Um, then you have this group of people who are brought into the sport by the big names, um, and then you have a slice of people, and I'm sure we can all name you know, friends or family members who just say, I will never watch that kind of uh, sporting action for whatever reason. It's too brutal, it's too complicated. So, I don't think it will ever be 
anywhere near the size of you know your football, your golf, your even NFL, NBA in the states because it is uh, the kind of sport that divides opinion. But in terms of comparing with boxing, absolutely. I think the size of the events, I think the building of the characters, um, increasing will get covered. I don't know. I'm not a fan of watering it down further to meet that kind of growth. I'm personally, you know, I'm not a great expert on the rules, but I think where the UFC and the unified rules of MMA are at the moment are pretty kind of decent. And I think if you take away some elements, which there have been talk of across the uh, MMA community, I think it softens it to a point that I don't genuinely think you're going to see that reflected in the growth of um, interest. So I think it can get bigger. I think events can get bigger. I think we can do more of them. Um, and the education piece just keeps people involved. But no, we're not football. Um, and nor do we want to be, Simon. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, does that, yeah, does no. that address the question you are asking? Yeah, no, it does. I think, I think, obviously, I think football stands head and shoulders above every other sport in the world. Um, and it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a unique thing to itself. And it's just, I find it interesting, that obviously, if you look in America, you've got the way, mainly through the, uh, the television deal that the UFC has with Fox, they're now a lot more strongly aligned with the likes of NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, NFL. And, you know, people have their own preferences within those sports leagues. But now when you start seeing the listings of the major sports leagues, UFC is in there with them. Um, and you can rank them in whatever order you like in terms of in terms of uh, preference or viewership or whatever it might be. But they're in there together. They're kind of clumped together now. Um, and... Uh, over here, we're still. It feels like we're still trying to break through that sort of that, that sort of glass ceiling and get it up into into the mainstream a little bit more. Whereas it's obviously, you know, America are a few years ahead of us. I just wondered wondered how far we might be away from being able to to see the UFC regularly. I mean, obviously they don't cover the sport at the moment, uh, but can you imagine uh, when Sky when when Sky have a lot uh, have a big pay per view boxing match? They 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 do all the behind the scenes on on Sky Sports News and things like that. To be able to do something like that for a Conor McGregor fight or for a Ronda Rousey fight, can you, can you imagine the level of interest? Even and it, it, you know you you'll, you'll pick fans up very very quickly just from showing this sort of thing. And you don't have to show people getting getting you know bones broken or cut cut to shreds by elbows during the day. You can you, you can still show eye-catching, exciting highlights and put the personalities across and I think that that's, that's kind of where, where we sort of, we haven't quite made that step to that level yet But it is, you, You've nailed it there and I think if you look at the amount of people who get cut or broken bones it's very limited yeah. um, and most of the time if you look at knockouts, when a couple of minutes later we go to call a decision officially and the referee raises one of their hands, they're back on their feet, they're fine. You know, it's, it is a, relatively speaking, a safe contact sport. Um, but the stories are what we buy into. I mean, fundamentally, we are buying into the stories. So the more platforms that tell those stories, the better. That's you, that's, you know, podcasts, it's um, the massive online community, the gossip sites, it's MMA Junkie, it's the UFC's own output, it's UK programming, it's everything that's been made available is telling the stories. And I think 
even if people don't fully understand the nature of the sport, and we you know, hopefully increasingly can do that um, at the UFC, once you buy into the story of that person and you care about them, good or bad, by the way, um, I would imagine as many people want to see Connor smashed by Aldo as they want to see him win. But you care. And the moment you care, you can then start driving those kind of audiences that we all wish for. And so therefore, you know, in simple terms, the more opportunity there is to tell those stories, I believe, and look, this is not, um, this is not Professor Friedlander, this is how sport tends to work. You want the outcome that you want, and that means you're going to tune in and watch it. Yeah, and, you know, and they're awesome stories. These these guys are. I mean, look, we, we we're talking a lot about Connor. Of course, we are, but there are some there are some brilliant characters. Brilliant characters. Yeah. I mean, imagine you've got you go in it. You talk earlier, but in this conversation about me having to stand there in front of nine and a half thousand people, the worst that can happen is I get a word wrong, or the microphone cuts out, or you know, heaven forbid, I trip over my laces and fall on my ass. These guys are getting they're, they're fighting animals across the across the octagon. So you know, of course, they're going to have crazy stories to tell. So it's, that's why it's that's why it's compelling. The more stories, the better. Let's tell stories. Absolutely. Quick. Absolutely. Tell a story. <laughs> and we've got, we've got, you know, we're going to get a load more from from uh, from from the next event in Dublin. Is there is there a particular fight on this card coming up that you're particularly interested in? I mean, as 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 a, obviously, you know, they're all going to be they're all going to be compelling in one way or another. But is is there one fight or one particular story that you're looking to, you know, you're you're, you're particularly interested in following through? Um. and we are a week out. So Steve Damiotic got announced to be out by injury yesterday. And to, as of when we speak, I don't know if uh, there's a replacement for the Rothwell bout, but that was one I was really excited about just because it's got a massive impact on the, the heavyweight division. And also those guys were always going to put on a show. That said, I think Paddy Houlihan's just an interesting guy to watch. He's just a, he's kind of a, I think he caught, he caught, um, oh, I forgot who he's fought now, last, uh, last time out in Dublin. Um, his smoker this time. Was, uh, in Dublin, he fought uh, Josh Sampo. Josh Sampo. And he caught him with a really weird uppercut from distance. So it wasn't a short uppercut. It was a big, swinging, kind of long underneath. And I just like seeing people move in various ways. So I'll keep an eye out for him. Scott Askham as well. Um, he did the bout against a dude called Antonio Dos Santos in Berlin. Yeah. Dos Santos comes in short, stocky, legs like tree trunks. Yeah. Ask him, he's not, he's not the chattiest guy in the world, and when you do get him talking, we need a translator. Um, but that's the, uh, that's the Yorkshire man. Um, I'm excited about him. I like Scott Askin. He's a good guy. He brings a good crowd. He's always uh, game for it. So that's, that's cool. And obviously, I want Kahal to make weight, as he always does, so he can... Uh, Give me a hard time if I don't make 185. <laughs> the only MC that makes weight, Simon Head. There you go. That needs to be on your on, on, on your Twitter bio. They just need the one line. The only MC that makes weight. Now I'm going to flip it. I'm going to flip. It. I want to ask what you think about this um, the lightweight headline because 
I think it's I the think other. It's, yeah, I think it's a fascinating. I, just, I think it's going to say, it is, but I was going to say part of this kind of weird world I inhabit. Poirier has lost to McGregor. Duffy beat McGregor. We're in Duffy's hometown against a guy who is on the rise and finding form at 155. It's going to be for me nice to be in the, between that. But I don't know, or if you, I don't know, have you got any view about how that goes? Yeah, well, I think, I think when you try and work out who's going to beat who based on past opponents, it doesn't always work. It's like the old twisted football logic, you know. Your team could be bottom of the league, but because you beat Linear some Linear champs, they're called in boxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it, you know, it, it doesn't always follow through. But I think, I think the interesting thing with this fight is both these guys have only fought twice in the UFC as 155ers. Um, and both of them have claimed two first round stoppages. So if you're looking at it sort of in terms of level playing field, this is the weight division that they're operating in. We've got two super high level guys there. Uh, Poirier's ranked 13th, which I think is a, is, a, is, a, is a false ranking, if you like, because the reason he's only down in 13th is purely because he hasn't uh, been in the division long enough to fight the higher guys, and uh, uh, he's he's the sort of guy who could easily be a top ten guy um, at 155. He looked great at 145, um, and then obviously he, ru- he ran into Connor. Um, but then you know Connor's holding a championship belt right now. So, but then if you look at if you look at Joe, the thing I like with Joe is he just looks so comfortable in the octagon and. Everyone raves about his striking, but if you actually look at his record, most of his finishes have come on the mat. Um, I think he's got he's got a couple of knockouts, but most of his most of his finishes are by submission, um, including Connor. Um, so I think it's I think it's a really really intriguing intriguing fight. If I was being forced to pick, um, and I think I've recorded a prediction for for junkie the other day and i i, I picked duffy but i i can i can i can make a, an equally strong case for Poirier winning um i think i think this is a real coin flip fight and it's it's i think it's a great main event because i don't think this is a fight that's going to be over in in a matter of seconds i can see this one going going past the first round and you know we might see something happen in the second i think i think it's going to be a great fight you know whoever wins it that's for sure yeah i'm um... I'm excited, and I kind of listen to a lot of the podcasts, and there's always, uh, you know, future matchmaking, and, you know, if I was Joe Silver, this is what I would do, and everyone knows best, but I just, you know, there's not really a weak card in UFC um, fights anymore, ever. I mean, there's always a good headliner, you start looking at the depth of talent, um, and I'm not suggesting that there ever previously were. But there used to be a big fat headline and then other fights. And now you go through the list and you go, oh, yeah, but if, if a lightweight such and such beats them or oh, what about them? They're on the rise. Will, will they get a ranking? Oh, such and such has been calling out them. So if they get a fight at the night, they might be on. It's just such a kind of rich um, talent pool now um, that there's excitement at every level. Um, I've heard, well, in fact, I haven't heard definitively, but I'm not sure if you know, is Connor going to be there? I, I understand he's, in, he's training in Dublin at the moment, I, but I also know... For sure. I think my understanding, I spoke to, I spoke to, to, uh, to Joe Carr a few weeks back, and he basically said if he's going to be in Dublin, then he's going to be doing media for us. So, 
Um, so I think the plan is that that, that he is going to be there. And I, you know, I said, I said to, I said to Joe, I said, you need to get him to do a to do an octagon walk. You need him, you know, you need to give him well, the big en- entrance, walk him in with the belt, and just no, well, bit of yeah, a yes and no, sort of yes and no. He's we we did a Q and A with him in London when he just come back from his uh, his injury and. He's also very respectful of the fact that his stablemate, Cahal's in there. Ash is fighting. Um, you know, I know Neil Seary's not from SBG, but he's out of Dublin. Paddy's there. He wants to support them. And I don't, you know, trust me, there's one guy who doesn't need me talking for him, is Connor. But he's also very respectful about the fact that those guys are there preparing, training. He wants to support them. And egotistical though he may be, he is wary of not turning it into the Connor show. So, um, you know, credit to him. He's, he, he knows how talented and popular he is, but he also respects and recognises that there's a chance for everyone else to shine and he doesn't want to take any of the, the gloss off of that. So, no, I, I think I was asking you, I, my understanding is he's in town. Yeah. Um, how, how much he will be thrust front and centre with the shiny gold, I don't know. I would imagine it'll be ringside. I would think so. Octagon side. Octagon side. Octagon side. Yeah. Yeah. No. I think. I think it's going to be. It's going to be. A, it's going to be a cracking event. That's for sure. And uh, you're going to have the. You're going to have the best seat in the house. So uh, it's going to be. It's going to be a good one. Andy, I've taken up way too much of your time. I'm looking at the. Voice recorder. I've got nothing better to do, Simon. To be honest, <laughs> my daughter's watching. My daughter's having a day off school because she's got a bad eye. She's watching cartoons. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. What I would say, um, what I would say is, what was incredible last year, and I, I mentioned it briefly, is uh, in between the arena and the hotel, um, there was just such a, a vibe throughout. Everyone was just super friendly and so many people flattered me by coming to say hello and it's I'll be honest, it's odd having a selfie taken because I'm like, look, I'm just the MC guy. But if you want one, if you want to chat, I'm there. It'll be a laugh. We've got great guest fighters, uh, Jessica I, Max Holloway, and oh, Rory McDonald's going to be in town. So yes. um, we're doing a Q&A on the Friday before the weigh-in. Um, it's going to take over Dublin, and it's a party everyone's invited to. So, yeah, it will be incredible. We're really looking forward to it. I think... Just a, a shout, John is hosting a quiz night. John Gooden is hosting a quiz night with the guest fighters at Murray's on the Thursday night. So if you didn't know about that and you're hearing it for the first time now, get yourself involved. Um, yeah, the UFC is coming to town and uh, it will be another big one. It's going to be my first visit to Dublin and I cannot wait. Um, I... <laughs> So uh, it's going to. Oh, you are kidding me! No, no, no. Tell no. me you've got a late flight out on Sunday. I'm flying out. Tell me you've got no responsibility on Sunday. Early Sunday afternoon, I'm flying out. So good move. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm there from I'm there from Tuesday, and I'm I'm flying back Sunday afternoon. So, um, so yeah, so uh, it, I'm looking forward to it. It should be good fun. Yeah, you wake up. You wake up on Sunday morning and your liver is sat next to you having a cup of coffee. You get back in my body. Get back in my body. <laughs> oh dear. Um, this is no, be awesome. This is going to be good fun, and the fights are going to be fantastic. Andy, I really appreciate your time. Uh, it was quite a short notice thing, this, so I really appreciate it. And uh, I shall, uh, I shall get you a pint of the black stuff while we're over there. It'll be lovely. Um, everyone's wonderful. The world's a gorgeous place, um, but Dublin at the moment is is going to be the most gorgeous. We're going to be there in a week. Um, oh, I might go and have a workout now. Oh, I might go and stretch off. Have to cut some more. Make sure you make one eight five. 
185, here I come. <laughs> all right, all the best. Thank you very much, mate. No, it's a pleasure.